0: It's really a blessing to be back with you guys and uh, to share this morning and to talk about someone that we all love. I assume that's why you're here. And that makes it easy when you just talk about somebody you love. That's not hard work, is it? When it starts flowing from your heart and it's just about uh, devotion to Him and it's it's about that revelation of us having an encounter with the Lord Jesus and our lives being shifted by that. That's it. That could be the message, and we could go home. That should be your desire. Is a true encounter with the Lord Jesus. Because out of that, your life is shifted into the place where you want it to be. Suddenly you get momentum in areas that you've never had before. Suddenly you want to pray. Suddenly you want to read the Word of God. Suddenly you want to reach the lost, and you want to prophesy, and you want to heal the sick. Where before that encounter, so often it's a works thing. It's something that I feel I need to produce. But when I, have him, when I truly meet Him, everything changes. You know, how can you look into His face and not want to be different? How can you truly stand in the presence of the Lord like we did this morning and not want to give up everything that hinders a relationship with Him? And what we had this morning is a glimpse. It's just a glimpse. It's awesome, but it's a glimpse. You know? And uh, this part is for free, by the way. So, I want to encourage you, you know, I'm going to be sharing this morning and and it's a message to really encourage you guys to step out and, you know, Andre, uh, I love Andre and Sonica, by the way, they're just amazing people and they're so hungry for God and, and I really do appreciate their trust for allowing me to be here. And, um, and I know what his heart is for this morning and, and you know I've gotten to know him a little bit better over the last year or so and, and I know what's burning inside of them and I know that's burning inside of you is to see a city change is to see nations change It's to see people come to the Lord and truly encounter who he is and for lives to be transformed that's what we want, right? doesn't matter if you do it in the trans sky, if you do it in East London if you do it in Gnubi who lives in Gnubi? Yay, that's the most awesome place in the world. I just moved there a couple of months ago. You have to love Genubi, right? It doesn't matter where you are, your workplace, like those girls you just mentioned. Wherever it is that God has given you influence, that you'll use it. That you'll actually just use it to, to start making a difference and to see change for His sake. For He is worthy. You know, He really is worthy. The price that He paid, it was a big price. You know, for while we were still sinners, He gave His life for us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just good news? That's good news. While we were still sinners, while we wanted nothing to do with Him, He still said, I'm going to pay this price. I'm going to give my life so that we can be like Him. Isn't that awesome? And I think you know so often we we go through life and 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 circumstances start taking place around our life and you know whatever is pressing you at this moment whether it be your kids or finances or relationships or all of the above you know those three things are usually it isn't it <laughs> and what happens is the moment that we step into a season where where you know, when things get a little bit rocky around our lives, it's like a veil comes over us. And that veil isolates you immediately. Because it's a veil of, of self centeredness, basically. Because suddenly all you see is yourself and your own little world and your four walls and, you know, us four and no more, however it might be for you. And, and suddenly the, the whole focus of your life becomes self centered, where we're supposed to be Christ centered, right? The minute that these pressures come, and it's not because we are not real, we all go through them. Listen, there's not a person in this room who hasn't gone through it, might be in it, or will go through it. I'm sorry, I'm not a prophet of doom, it's just the reality of life. Right? There's an ebb and flow in life, and that's the way it is. But that flow does not determine your inner reality and the consistency of your joy, your hope, your expectation, your faith... All of those things are rooted in a much higher reality. You see, that's the the point. That's why we needed a Savior. Because if you had to go through the ebb and flow of life without a Savior, it would be really shaky and really rocky. Because today will be great and tomorrow will be horrible. It will be like the weather in East London, which I'm still getting used to. Like this morning it was summer and now it's winter now it's raining. It's still pretty new to me coming from Pretoria, Okay. Your life is not supposed to look like East London weather, okay? Despite what's going on around you, circumstances might look like that, but your inner experience can never be transformed to that. That means you're shaped by the wrong reality. That means you're being ruled by the wrong realm. There's a higher dimension called the kingdom of God, the throne of God. That should rule in our lives. Not the other way around. That's what worship does, by the way. It lifts the veil. Second Corinthians 3, verse 16, 17, and 18. For as we behold Him, what's the point? You need to behold Him. As we look at Him, the veil is removed. And we become transformed from what? From one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. So, how do you remove the veil? You behold Him. How do you do that? You worship. You're saying it's not working. Well, start serving somebody. I remember I was um, I just got born again. and I was taken into a, a, a hospital. I've never been in a hospital before. Uh, before that day, I was you know I'd, I'd played professional sports, so I'm a, you know a healthy guy, or supposedly. Lived a horrible lifestyle because I didn't know Jesus. Then I got to know him. And uh, um, so, so I get born again. And a couple of months later, I end up in hospital. And, I mean, they pushed me around in a wheelchair. I couldn't hold a pen. I couldn't hold anything in my hand. I was shaking like, you know, uh, somebody plugged in an electrical wire in me. This wasn't the good kind of shaking, by the way. Not the Holy Spirit kind of shaking. This was the other kind, all right? So they, they could couldn't diagnose me, they thought I had, you know, Julian Beret, they thought I had Parkinson's, they, you know, like a list of things that, that went down and, you know, like in, for weeks I would be in the hospital and uh, I sat there for about two days, uh, being a person, I, you know, I, I don't like hospitals uh, and I don't like lying around for too long, it gets boring and um, so I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, this really sucks, you know, we need to figure out what to do with my days here. Because the food ain't that good, and uh, you know, so it's not like this highlight in the day. So I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what to do. And uh, because here's the thing you you could throw a pity party in those circumstances real easy at the age of 26 with a death sentence like that kind of hanging over your head, potentially. Do you agree? Some of you might be sitting with something like that over your life. And one morning I stood up, I I, I, I was only able to read like 5 o'clock in the morning. I could read my Bible. After that, I would get migraines for the whole day. So I had like this little window every day. And I just started reading Proverbs and just seeking the Lord. And and I made a decision and I said, I'm going to make a difference in the hospital. And uh, it was so funny because everybody else next to me in bed looked better than me. Like they were in better shape. It's like, if the one guy that shouldn't be helping you with it was just like, you know. And I just decided I'm going to help people. So the guy next to me would drop his, I remember one guy, he was, he was reading something and he dropped his book and he had a drip on him just like I did. And, you know, I saw he was struggling and I was just like, don't worry, I'll get it for you. And I'm like, I'm thinking, he's thinking, dude, just stay in your bed, please, man. And I just, and I just got up and I gave him the book. I just, you know, if somebody was thirsty, I would get up and get them water. I just started serving. And suddenly, you know what's amazing about that? The veil lifted. Because it wasn't this isolation thing of me just thinking of me and my little issues and my worries in life. And suddenly you start connecting with people outside. And you see that even in your hospital bed, you can make a difference because you've got the King of Kings inside of you. You carry the potential to change If you get loose from your own issues, that didn't mean I got healed immediately, but inside everything changed. The way I viewed my circumstances changed in that moment because of a decision to just say, I'm going to seek the kingdom. I want to encourage you this morning as I share this, I I want you to page to the book of Jonah, right? And we're gonna talk out of that book. But I want you to to open your hearts and just say, God, just come and challenge me. You know, we all have stuff. And uh we need to allow him to to work through us despite of our stuff. Okay? I want to talk with you through the book of Jonah just real quick. I'm gonna try and do it real quick. And uh when I was praying for you guys in the week, I, I really felt like this is a message for you. Because I believe there's a real anointing on this church for power evangelism. I really feel there is. Like that God wants to anoint you guys to start moving in evangelistic in a way you've never done before, but in power. You know, there's different ways of evangelism and it's all good. And don't get me wrong. You know, but the one day is building houses and, you know, painting a place for people. And, and that's awesome. Please do it. Uh, if you ever want to come to the trance, and do that? I, I have a nice spot for you to do it. That is so awesome. But there's something that happens when God shows up in power. Something happens when He shows up in power and miracle signs and wonders start manifesting that it really grips the heart of people. And that's what I believe God wants to put on this church. There's an anointing for that on this church. You know, every single one in this room is commissioned according to Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Everyone in this room has that word hanging over their life. doesn't matter where you find yourself, but it is go out into all the world, make disciples. Right? Mark 16, preach to all of creation. And what's the side effect? What's the horrible side effect of preaching to all creation? That these signs will follow. No, I'm kidding. I love when that happens, man. That's why we preach. Preach to all of creation and what will happen? Signs and wonders will follow. So as we preach, he confirms it through signs and wonders. That's a command to everybody. Everybody is to preach the gospel. Everybody's life is supposed to carry a message of the goodness of the Lord. Everyone. See if you're... concerned about your calling, that was it. How you do that is up to you. I'm not saying go and buy a microphone and a tent and there you go. That's not what I'm saying. But everybody in this room should have a desire to want to lead somebody to the Lord. I have to tell you, and I say this with great love and respect, but you haven't lived until you've done that. To see somebody whose life has been lost and to see them connect to the Lord... And to be part of that moment, that rebirth that takes place, this most supernatural thing, it's the most supernatural thing. To think that somebody is born out of heaven, his spirit has become new, and suddenly he's a son and daughter of God. After a minute ago, he was just sniffing glue or doing drugs or killing somebody or whatever it might have been. And he has an encounter with the Lord, and you're part of that. To see that happen in front of your eyes, oh my goodness. You have to want to see that. That should be something that's in your heart. Think, God, I, you know, ugh, I have no idea how I'm so scared, but I want to see this. That should be on your bucket list, seriously. And the problem is, it's really addictive. If you've done it once, it's gonna. Because here's the thing: what does what does Scripture say about it? That even he- heaven celebrates. Heaven celebrates when one is born again. You actually get to be the one that produces extra celebration in heaven for leading somebody to the Lord, for being part of that process, discipling somebody into maturity, right? Jonah had a commission just like you. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Now, Jonah is the strangest character for me in the Bible, to be honest with you. You know, he's just an interesting guy. He was honest. Verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of... You know, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. So here is his commissioning. God speaks to John. and says, I have a massive harvest field for you called Nineveh. And I need you to go. I need you to go and tell them something. This is not good news. I'm actually upset with them. This is like Old Covenant still. You know, it's like, I'm angry with you, so deal with it. So, Jonah, the prophet of the Lord, his response is, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish, which is two and a half thousand miles from Israel, by the way. This is like the most isolated place in the known world back then. This is where he decides, I'm going there. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm done. Right? Right? This is how he's not going, how serious he is in absolutely not doing what God told him to do right now. Isn't that crazy? And he gets up and, he's, and he flees to Tarshish from being in, in the presence of the Lord. Isn't it amazing? He's not only trying to run away from the commissioning, he's just like, I'm running away from God, I'm done. I'm not going to Nineveh. I don't like Nineveh. I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they smell. I don't like the color of their skin. I don't like the fact that they're not as clever as I am. I disagree with everything that they do, therefore I will not go. I know none of you are like that. And he's like, I'm so done, I'm running. I'm, I'm just not even coming back. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshis. So he paid the appointed fare and went down into the ship to go with him to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord as his servant and minister. And uh, I want you guys to get something that... I, I'm going to try and just unpack this a little bit. So so this guy gets a commissioning and he just decides this is way too much. By the way, Nineveh wasn't a nice bunch of people. Can I just... I, I want to come up for Jonah. Right? Nineveh was known for its brutality and its cruelty, for its um, sacrifice of infants. Like they would sacrifice children left, right, and center to this god called Molech, this fire god. They would just throw them off of the mountain and this god was supposed to do something. I'm sorry to be graphic, but it's just they skinned people alive. This is what they did. And they would drag them through the streets. Brutal, brutal bunch of people. Hated by all the world. So I want to just come up for Jonah in that sense. And he decides, listen, I, I get this harvest field that you've prepared for me, but, but thank you, but no thank you. Um, I'm going to get in my ship and I'm going to be really comfortable in my comfort zone. And I'm just going to, you know, hang out with my tribe, <laughs> my little family, and I'm going to be with them and we're going to have a great time, but, but I'm just not doing this. I don't feel called to Nineveh and when I I thought about this thing I I just wanted in my own heart for myself for everybody it's just how much of a church of the church how big not this church you guys are awesome the church how much have we jumped into a boat and just said listen I know there's this great commissioning hanging over our lives but boy it sucks None of it's a really bad place. The world of the unbeliever is just a really bad place. I just don't want to go there. So God, I'm going to jump into a boat and it's going to be awesome and we're going to worship you on that boat and we're going to have awesome meals together. We're going to see great places but we're going to run about 2,500 miles away from the place you're calling me to. But we're going to be really holy. I wonder in my heart, If something about that is not, might be what's going on in the church in South Africa. I wonder if if something of that might be. We don't speak it as loud. Like I said, Jonah was really honest. We don't voice it as clearly as he does. But sometimes I think we're just like, you know, it's like in the village we're at, villages, we're at, you know, there's this one lady. And, uh, yeah. She's a witch. That's the long and the short She's, And she dislikes us deeply. From the very beginning, she just didn't... Well, she, actually, she did like us. She wanted to, us to have church in her house. And for some reason, the presence just didn't feel right there. So, so we just decided we're not doing it. And ever since we've gotten to the trans sky, this lady has been gunning us, like, in the spirit. I mean, when we meet her, which we don't do often, that week after, it would just be quite interesting in my house for a couple of days weird stuff going on i don't love her in the sense that i should you know what i mean I, there's so many reasons in my heart to have resistance against her but yet i do love her and i do pray for her and i do want her to see her get born again but every now and again, you encounter somebody in life that what they do, the, the level of wickedness they're in, just offends you so much for some reason, as if they're doing it against us, which is weird. And we just go, it's too much. You know, I'm going to get in my boat and I'm just going to, you know, do DSTV or bry or surf, which all of it is awesome. I don't surf, but I'm, that's a long, we don't have time for that story. Um, but you know, and it's just like, this is too much. And this is what, I think this is what Jonah felt. He's just like, I'm done. And so, so he gets in the boat and, and, you know, the next moment God sends a storm. So it's going wild on the boat. Here's the crazy thing. If you look at verse, um, where is it now? Verse five to six. Then the mariners were afraid and each man cried to his God and they cast the goods that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. I'm like, wow. (laughs) My God, am I asleep? It's like all of this chaos happening around my life. There's a commissioning on me as a believer, on us as the church. The world that is falling apart at its seams a little bit. You know, it's not getting better out there, to be honest. I'm not worried about it. I'm just looking at this thing and going, well, it's getting pretty intense. You better know who you are right now in the Lord, and you need the power of God. Otherwise, you're not going to stand, and you're not going to make an impact. And I'm just wondering, are we maybe in the ship sleeping? When everybody else is freaking out on the top, calling out to their gods and it's not working, it's not working. They might proclaim it, they might say it, the New Agers and the, the atheists and those who doesn't believe anything and those who are super religious and their you know, Islamism or Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever it might be. But they are calling out to their gods and there is no response that is working at this moment. It's not. it's not helping what they're doing. And the ones with the God who has the solution is at the bottom of his ship sleeping. They are crying out to their gods. At least they're doing something. And it's amazing because the ocean, the sea is always in scripture, it's a prophetic picture of the nations. And it, the nations are in chaos. Our own nation is in chaos. And it's like God is saying, what are we doing? We who actually have the power to change this thing. We who have the authority to do something because of the one who lives inside of us. Are we maybe, maybe I'm, you know, are we fast asleep in the midst of the storm? just going, I'm just going to put my head down as like the ostrich, just put my head in the sand and it's all going to go away. It's not going away. It's not. We have to stand up to the commissioning, to the call with great joy because we know who He is. And now we understand who we are and therefore we can stand and know that we can make a difference. We can stop the storm that's going on. You know, And and they get to Jonah and they said, so the captain came and said to him, what do you you mean, you sleeper? What's wrong with you? I'm serious. I think the world looks at us like that. They're like, they don't have the words, but they're like, what are you doing? How are you sleeping in the midst of this? And he says, arise, call upon your God. I'm telling you, they don't have the words, but that's the cry in the heart of all of creation. Is going, church, body of Christ, sons of God, would you arise and call upon your God? Because what we're doing is not working. We'll never confess it, but in our hearts there's something that goes, this thing is not working. Please call on your God. It's a call to intercession. It's a call to prayer. It's God going, church, wake up. Wake up, I have a commissioning for you, it's awesome, the reward is incredible. Don't be asleep on the bottom of the ship. Our families are falling apart, our workplace is falling apart, schools are falling apart. What are we doing about it? Are we going, I'm just going to, you know, surely the storm will pass soon. What if it doesn't? What if you're there to be the one to bring the change? And I mean, it's so crazy because, you know, Jonah's name means peace. It means dove. Isn't that amazing? And we all know the dove is a prophetic picture of the Spirit of God, of the Holy Spirit, but it's also a picture of peace. So the man of peace, what does Matthew 10 say? Wherever you go you go into a house, Jesus says to them, I'm going to send you out two by two, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's our job, by the way. Evangelism 101, or just being a Christian 101, it's not evangelism. That's just who you are. It's got nothing to do with evangelism, although it does. Declare it. Just make a stand for God. And then he says, when you enter a house, what do you do? Release your peace over that house. And if the peace comes back to you, you know that house is not worthy. But if the peace remains on that house, you know that house is worthy. Stay there and preach the gospel. And what is this guy doing? The man with the name Dove, he's going, he's just withholding his peace from everything and everyone. And chaos erupts around him. Because he wasn't willing to just release what is inside of him and say, I'm going to release the Spirit of God. I'm going to release my peace over the storm. What did Jesus do in the same story? He was also asleep in the boat. And when they woke him up, what did he do? Peace. Be still. Because Jesus knew his commissioning. He knew where he was going. He knew what he was supposed to do. He understood what was inside of him and his heart was open. But we hide and we we remove our peace from creation. And what happens? The storm is raging on. Instead of releasing it over every place that we go, how do you do it? By being there. And by being present there. Not, you, you know, we, we watched this um, documentary yesterday of Steve Jobs. That was depressing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm an Apple guy, but yes, after yesterday I'm like, oh boy, I don't know, that's like really bizarre. Okay? Now he was this phenomenal guy, wasn't he? I mean, just genius. But the, the destruction that he left behind him is, 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 is gross. It's sad. You know, so he, he changed the world through technology, but there's not one good word spoken about this guy by any person in a relationship with him. Do you know that Apple gives nothing to humanitarian reasons? humanitarian causes. Nothing. So he changed the world because he's an awesome businessman, but the legacy is zero in the eyes of God. Because I thought about it yesterday. doesn't matter which side is on, heaven or hell. I surely hope it's heaven, but it doesn't look good. Right? Do you know what? Nobody in heaven or hell cares what he did on the earth. Is a no one. And the scary thing is, it struck me yesterday, it's the same for me. When I get there, we're all the same. And he's going to look at our lives and he's going to say, Did you do what I asked you to do? Did you do what I asked you to do? That's the only question he's going to ask. He doesn't care about your millions. He doesn't, none of those things matters. He's going to say, did you do it? I gave you a commissioning. You could have changed the world, buddy. Did you? This verse 13, 14, 15, and 16, I'm not going to read all of it. But Jonah goes at some point and he says, listen, it's my fault. That was a good place to start. And he says, hey, this storm is my fault. And he says, throw me into the sea and the storm will stop. So the captain of the boat goes and he says, no, 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 we're not going to throw you over. Just keep crying out to your God. So they do. Nothing is stopping. And then at some point they go, okay, no, we're throwing you in, buddy. (laughs) Loyalty only goes that far, you know. (laughs) So it's amazing. So they cast Jonah into the ocean. So the peace is released into the nations. And immediately the storm stops. Immediately. And the response was that everybody on that boat started worshiping God. I I mean, don't hold anyone ever from doing their calling. Don't ever be in a place where you create a comfort zone, a family thing around your life, and you don't release people to do what they did. The storm will rage on as long as you hold them back. As soon as you release, the peace will come. Don't hold people back. To run for God. Never do it. It doesn't matter how nice and how comfortable it is having them around. Let them go. Just let them go. Let them do their thing. Let them fulfill the calling that God has on their life. Because there's blessing in it for you as well. The blessing goes both ways. And that's so awesome. Verse 17, it goes on and it says, Now the Lord had prepared and appointed a great fish to to swallow up Jonah. uh, Something about that is really funny to me. (laughs) Like God is so gracious, He just prepared this massive fish that's going to swallow Jonah bible is really funny sometimes we read this stuff and we're like "Ah." but that's the grace of god and this is what i want you to see isn't it crazy jesus calls us he calls the disciples in matthew chapter 4 and he says listen i want you to leave your your nets i want you to leave everything behind leave your businesses and i want you to be what fishers of men and suddenly this dude gets swallowed by the very thing he's supposed to catch I want to tell you something. When prayer is not alive in our life, when prayer is not an integral part of who we are, the harvest will overwhelm you. The level of darkness will overwhelm you. When you're not living in a place of prayer, intercession, the presence of God, worship, the Word, because if that's not your reality... The fish is going to always look too big. The darkness is going to always be too scary. And you're going to be, I just don't have hope for those guys. But when you're rooted in Him, when you're living out of an active relationship with God, you look at the harvest and you go, oh, this is easy. We can do this thing because I know who He is. But if this is not your lifestyle, the harvest will swallow you. And you'll be burnt out and you'll be depressed and you'll lose hope when you look at all the stuff, when you look at none of it. <laughs> you hear me, ah, oh, he's never gonna change. I know none of you are like that. Especially with your husbands. You're always like I know you always believe in them and ah oh, he's never gonna change. You know what? That people grew are so awesome, but there's no ways it's gonna happen. But suddenly Jonah gets swallowed by this fish. And then the next verse it goes and it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Finally. Finally, intercession rises from this guy's heart. And he starts praying into his own circumstances. And it's crazy when you go on, he says, And and said, I cried out of my distress to the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of Shehul. I cried and you heard my voice. Sheol means the place of the dead, the realm of the dead, right? So Jonah's life is so turned upside down for three days and three nights, he's in the belly of the fish. But that brokenness, that that destruction in his life, suddenly starts producing a cry to God because he's aware of his own need for a Savior. Do you get it? He's reminded of his own fallenness and how he needs salvation in this moment. And that's the turning point. That was the key. Years ago, when I got born again, I wasn't like this evangelist guy—not at all. I'm actually kind of shy. I don't, I don't like confronting people. You know, I look at Todd White, and he just walks up to everybody in the shopping centers, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I do it. We've done a lot of it, but but it takes effort on my side. I really need to, you know. So I, I'm standing and I'm born again. I'm super excited about Jesus. I'm new in this thing. I'm just like on fire for the Lord. And I read a book and it, it, I think it was Charles Finney. I think it's a Finney quote. If I'm wrong, forgive me. I, I'll, I've never been able to find the quote again. And I read this book and in this, this book, it's awesome. It's about these revivalists and these amazing preachers that turned the world upside down. And he makes a statement and he says, don't tell me that you're born again and you don't have a heart for souls. He says, then I doubt the authenticity of your conversion. Whew, and I'm like, I don't like this guy. I'm done with this book. I was so upset. I'm like, I love Jesus, but I don't like lost people so much. Like Jonah. I'm like, you know, where's Tarshish? <laughs> and I was so offended. And then I said, okay, well God, if this guy talks for truth, and I'm, I'm sure he is, then I need help because I, I don't have a heart for... for I don't have that heart yet. You need to help me out here, And I'll never forget it. It's Jonah's moment. I was standing and I had this little loft apartment thing. I had this loft and I was standing in this loft and I just started praying and I said, God, I don't know. You need to give me a heart for souls. And I'm praying, praying, praying. And then one day the Lord says to me, He gives me this idea, this inspired prayer. And He says, and He says, do you remember what it felt like before you were born again? And I'm like, To be honest, I I have an idea, but I don't really remember. You know? And then I prayed this prayer. I'm sorry if it offends you, but I did. I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I ask that you remove yourself from me for a minute or two. So that I can remember what it felt like before I met you. I didn't think he would listen, but he did. And the next moment, it was like God just lifted off of me. And it was the worst darkness. I felt like him. It's like in the belly of Sheol. I just I felt all the pain and the darkness and death, and you know, it's like literally the weight of the world. See, all of this stuff, I just felt it and I, I just cried. I said, God, please don't stop. And immediately came back. And something in my life changed in that moment because I was reminded, I remembered how badly I needed a Savior. I remember what it felt like without him. And that brought the shift. So prayer rose in my heart for souls. Not only to win souls, but for me to have a heart for souls. Listen, the, I, I, we're, we're, the time is you know closing in on us and I, I want to respect that. But here's the thing, you know. Jesus speaks often in the Gospels. You hear the statement, the sign of Jonah. Have you heard it? This will be the sign, the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? It was mercy. Because Jonah walks out of this. The, the fish spits him out. <laughs> I wonder what he smelled like after three days and three nights in the bed. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Some people say that after three days, the enzymes in the stomach of the fish would have started kind of working on him unless there was a real supernatural thing going on in the, in, in the stomach. So he probably didn't like, look great coming out of that. But, but he gets out and he goes to Nineveh. This wicked place. And you know what's his prophecy? You know what's his message? It's bizarre. I'm like... Verse 4 of chapter 3, it says... Um, This is his message. Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yep, that was it. He just walked through the city and said, in forty days Nineveh will be overthrown. That was the message. So it's this word of judgment, but it came out of a revelation of mercy. And what's the effect? The judgment brought repentance to the whole city. This wicked, wicked king they got on sackcloth. They went into fasting. They started crying out to God. And a whole city got saved. 120,000 people got mercy. 120,000 got mercy because of that line. But because they felt mercy. Jonah's heart was still messed up afterwards. I mean, he went to sit under a tree and waited for the city to implode on itself. And then God comes to him. It's really funny. You should read it again. It's fine. It's like God looks to me and says, so how, how is this being angry thing working for you, Jonah? Literally, like God's like, how is this angry thing working out for you? And he's, you know, he's just better. God makes a tree grow over him to give him shade. Supernatural in the day the tree grows. And then the next day it dies. And then Jonah's angry again. And God's like, how is this working for you, Jonah? And then God goes, so you, you cry over a tree he said to God, He said, I'm angry about the tree. So God said, So you cry over a tree? It sounds like the Greenpeace stuff. Serious. So you cry over a tree, but I give mercy to 120,000 people and you're angry with me. Your priorities are messed up, son. You see, but for a moment he felt mercy. Because the whole reason he didn't go. Do you know what it was? He said, I don't like them. And I know if I go, you're going to show them mercy. Because you are merciful. You will never have a heart of mercy until you're connected to the presence of the Lord. A mercy heart is not going to live inside of you unless it's birthed out of intercession and prayer. And asking God to give you a harvest. Asking God to partner with the harvest asking God to position you in a place where people's hearts will open up and where you will open up to people's brokenness so that we can see a change come in this is God's desire for everyone in this room but we have to arise and call unto our God we have to wake up and say God maybe you're doing great in that area that's awesome, I'm not satisfied personally, I would like to see a bigger harvest I'm not satisfied at all I'm constantly thinking about next year and I'm like, oh, how are we going to get this thing bigger? I'm you know, we've got a long way to go. We had this prayer thing on the mountain, all I see is villages, village upon village. It doesn't stop, it's just everywhere. And all I'm thinking is how are we gonna get a church in every village? How are we gonna get the gospel to every single one of those people? I'm not satisfied. And I know for me the growth is gonna be start calling out to God. Get in the closet, pray, seek the Lord. Get a heart for mercy. Get the right message, that one line. And get my priorities straight. How can a tree be more important than 120,000 people? See how bizarre that is? The things we value above souls. We're so busy, that's our tree. So busy. But people around us are... Literally going to hell. We've got so much stuff going on in our lives, and this activity and that activity, and boy, it's fun. I know, but people are dying around us. I, I, I'm finishing. The stat says 100. I think it's. I think I'm right. That's what I read the last time. 150,000 people die daily. Daily out of which something like 90,000 has never heard the gospel. Come on, church. We need to wake up. We need to arise and start calling out to our God. We need to ask Him to give us a heart for the harvest. To stir something, to break our fear, break these things that, that holds us down. This is not a, I'm not here, I, I don't want to be here with a rod. I, I, I want to stir something in your spirit. And if I'm talking rubbish, then it's fine. Go home and say it's rubbish. But if it's true, I need you to go with God. Be with God. Ask Him to do something. Let's step out of that boat. Let's start giving our peace to the world. We have what they need. Right? The world is waiting for us, for you and for me, to get this thing done. God is giving us an opportunity in time to say, listen, get into that harvest field and have fun. Just have fun. It's awesome.